Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. For those of you that are listening, you say, I'm a believer. I think that as believers, we should celebrate what we have in Christ. But as we read the whole book and we're aware of what other people are lacking, I pray that it would stir us up to reach out in love, that it would stir us up to share Christ, that it would move you to share what you know with those that don't know it. Because again, it is bittersweet. It's not just sweet for us. Even though it's good for me, as I read the whole thing, I realize, man, this isn't good for everybody. Everybody doesn't just go to heaven by default. What is the greatest gift you can give someone? Today, Pastor Bill reminds us in his message that we need to keep introducing people to Jesus. For those who don't know Jesus as Savior, God's judgment will be bitter. If we have the sweet words of life, we should share them. If you're a believer in Christ and know the gift of His grace, it should move you to share this good news with others. While there is still time, let us live with urgency to share God's love with people who desperately need it. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation chapter 10 as he continues his message, Bittersweet. I want to say this to us. We want to be careful about trying to know things that God has decided that we don't need to know. One thing, you know, the book of Revelation is revealing to us about the Lord. It's revealing to us about the person of Jesus. And one thing revealed right here is that there's still some things that we don't need to know. There there are mysteries that God has revealed and was glad to reveal to us. And then there's some things that God says, nah, they don't need to know that. Seal that up. It's not necessary. And so beware of trying to know what God has made not known. I want to remind us that Eve stumbled in this way. If you guys remember, Adam and Eve were the first created people in the Garden of Eden, and they had the perfect setup. I mean, Adam was serving God. God put him to sleep and made him a wife and married him in the Garden of Eden. They were in a beautiful paradise. They had a relationship with the Lord. Everything was amazing. And Satan came to Eve in the form of the serpent, and he told Eve, he said, did God really say that you couldn't eat of all those trees of the garden? And Eve started to tell Satan back what she understood God had said that, well, God said we could eat of all the trees except for that one tree right there. And then Satan says, you know what? God knows in the day that you'll eat it, you'll be like him, knowing good and evil. Now, I want you to note this. At this point, all Eve knew was good. Imagine living life And all you know is good. God has kept you from the knowledge of evil and told you not to eat from the tree that would expose you to the knowledge of evil. And Satan says, hey, you could you could be like God, knowing good and evil. God's keeping something from you. And she fell into the trap. She saw that the tree then after listening to Satan was pleasant to the eyes and good for food and desirable to make one wise. And she took of the fruit and she ate. And as soon as she ate, she knew she was naked. She had to cover herself up. Innocence was was destroyed. It was taken away. And so I just want to caution us that if God has decided that we don't need to know something, we don't need to know it. If God is silent somewhere, we should be silent as well. We should not add where God has not given us anything to say. And so, so here God tells John, seal it up. Do not say these things. So all we can presume that John took that to the grave. That whatever was uttered there, it wasn't necessary, it wasn't needful, it wasn't going to be beneficial to the plan of God for creation. And so we said, "Eh, seal that up, not necessary. 
And so moving forward, verses five and six now, it says, then the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be no delay, that there should be delay no longer. Now, here's the other reason why I don't believe this angel was the Lord, because the angel swore by him who has created all things. We know that Jesus is one that created all things. If you're taking notes, it's in Colossians chapter 1, I'm going to read you verses 16 and 17, where it says this about Jesus. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. For he is before all things and in him all things consist. And so this angel swore by the Lord, not by himself. So we're reminded here as we look at this, that the Lord is the one that's created all things. Everything is under his power. Everything is under his control. Even when things look chaotic like they do right now, we got to remember that he's the one that's created all things and all things are held together by him. And even if it looks like it's falling apart, it's not falling apart. Jesus is holding everything together. And so as those that are informed, those that know who Jesus is, those that are in relationship with the Lord, doesn't matter how chaotic things may look in our world, we got to be convinced of the scriptures that God has got it in control. And that should impact how we speak, how we live, how we think. The level of anxiety that we have should be impacted by the fact that we know who's in control. We know that God has everything under control, no matter what it looks like and what we're seeing. And I hope that brings us peace. And I hope that brings us into a place of just being able to be comforted and trust the Lord. He's got everything under control. This is being spoken here. This is during the tribulation period, where if you think this is chaotic, people buying up all the water and the toilet paper and, you know, hospitals being full. And this is a serious thing that we got going on. But if you think this is serious, the tribulation period is far worse. There's already been a third of people have died. Waters have turned to blood. You know, all these things have been impacted worldwide. All we have going on right now, not to minimize it, I'm just saying in comparison to what we see in the tribulation period, we have a, a flu that is impacting a lot of people and, and it's passing quickly and rapidly in different places. But here, there's moments where just a third of people wiped out, boom, like that. Every third person you know, gone. We have never experienced anything like that. And it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse as we go on. So now look at the last part of verse six. It says that there should be delay no longer. So the angel is letting John know that things are getting ready to move forward very rapidly from this point forward. So we're further along in the tribulation period, even though we're only in chapter 10, we're toward the end. And from this point, things are going to move very rapidly as God rolls out the rest of his judgments the rest of his wrath, the rest of God's going to bring things to a close from this point pretty rapidly. So verse seven, it says, but in the, the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants, the prophets. And so while this interlude of chapter 10, we're waiting on the seventh trumpet to sound, the seventh angel to sound. And God says, and when he does, the mystery of God is going to be finished. Things are going to move forward rapidly from that point. And he says this, as God declared to his servants, the prophet. There's a reminder here 
that the things that we're reading in Revelation have been spoken before to prophets. God is reminding John here, I'm keeping my word. The things I told the prophets I was going to do, they're getting ready to roll out. Why it's so important as we as believers study the whole Bible, right? The Old Testament and the New Testament. It's all revealing to us God, and, and, and it reminds us things about the Lord. As I look at the Old Testament and things that God told prophets that they had no idea what God was even talking about. These things were going to happen so far later in history, but God gave a word to these men, and they recorded it. And we can go back and read it. And during the tribulation period, they'll be seeing everything God means, the, the conclusion of everything. All the, all the words that haven't been fulfilled yet, though many of them have, they'll be fulfilled then. And so something we learn about Jesus here is that he's, God has always been concerned with keeping his word. He keeps his word. So you should be familiar with his word and know what his word says because God says, I keep my word. If I said I was going to do it, I do it. And that's good and bad. That's positives and negatives. But if God said it, he's going to do it. He's going to bring it to pass. Now look at verse 8. As we switch gears, it says, Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go, take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who sits on the sea and on the earth. Let me just stop right there. John is being told by, he's being told to go and take the little book which is open in the hand of this mighty angel. I want you to just pause yourself for a minute. Consider that you're John. What if you're getting this vision, you're seeing all these things you see this mighty angel with authority and power with one foot on the sea and one foot on the land. He's standing there with a, a little book in his hand. And God says, I want you to go get that book out of the angel's hand. I mean, I read it. I think, oh, that's, that's, I don't know if I want to go approach the angel. Every time in scriptures where someone saw an angel, their immediate response was fear. These are amazing creatures. These are not, they're not little fluffy white babies with, with wings on the back of their backs or whatever. These are amazing creatures that God has created with divine purpose. And so he's told, I want you to go get that little book from the angel that's standing on the sea and the earth. Verse 9, so I went to the angel and said to him, give me the little book. I want to know that John is obedient. <laughs> he goes right over, just goes over and says, man, give me that little book. To the angel, he does exactly what he's instructed to do. And then it says this, and he said to me, take and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. And so I was pondering this, right? It's, this is interesting. You know, whatever that book is, John is told, I want you to eat it. And after you eat it, it's going to be sweet in your mouth, but bitter in your stomach. And so there's another place in Scripture where something very similar to this takes place. And the results are very similar. So I thought that what we see in Ezekiel is going to give us insight to what we're reading here and what we should do with this. What do we do with this? What does that mean to us? Take the book, eat it, and be sweet in your mouth, bitter in your stomach. You know, what does that mean? What do we do with it? So let me read the rest of this, and then we're going to we'll take a trip to Ezekiel and look at something. So he was told to take it and eat it. He was told that it would be bitter in his stomach and sweet as honey in his mouth. Verse 10 says, then I took the little book out of the angel's hand, and I ate it. And it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kingdoms. And so he was to eat the book. It was going to be sweet in his mouth, bitter in his stomach. And after all of this, he was going to go prophesy again. 
So keep a finger in Revelation chapter 10 and turn to Ezekiel chapter 3 with me. And so God told Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 3 something very similar. Let me read it to you. It says in verse 1 of Ezekiel chapter 3, it says, Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find, eat this scroll, and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat the scroll. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll that I give to you. So I ate, and it was in my mouth like honey and sweetness. And so Ezekiel is given a similar thing. He's told to eat a scroll. He was told to eat it up. And interesting that he was told to eat it. And then he was told that you're going to go speak to the house of Israel. And so then he obeyed. He opened his mouth. He ate the scroll and it was sweet in his mouth. But later on, we're told that there was a bitterness that came. I'm not going to read all of this, but three through 11, you know, he's given instruction. He's to go to an unfamiliar people. They're going to be hard of speech, difficult language. God's going to give them a face that's strong against their faces. There's not going to be people that are welcoming the message. It's going to, he's going to be preaching to difficult folks is what he's told. God's going to make his forehead, his face strong against their rebellious faces. And then it says in verse 12, it says, Then the Spirit lifted me up, and I heard behind me a great thunderous voice. Blessed is the glory of the Lord from this place. Also heard the noise of wings of the living creatures. These are the angels that touched one another and the noise of the wheels beside them and a great thunderous noise. Verse 14. So the spirit lifted me up and took me away and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit. But the hand of the Lord was upon me. And so this is what we get from Ezekiel's situation. He eats this scroll God is sending him at a difficult time to a difficult people. And as he took in this scroll that was sweet initially, later on it brought about a bitterness. But it also, there was, a, you see the working of the Holy Spirit that was moving Ezekiel to go speak anyway, to go minister anyway. He had a job to do at a difficult time. Now, come back to Revelation chapter 10 as God's plan is unfolding, things are as bad as they've ever been on the earth. God's judgment is rolling out and there's this little interlude where God is interacting with the apostle John here and he's told to eat this scroll, take it and eat it. It's going to be sweet in your mouth, but bitter to your stomach. And the last thing God says to him, verse 11, he said to me, you must prophesy again about many people's nations, tongues, and kings. And so this is what I believe we can take away from this. I believe that God's word to the believer is sweet. If you're a child of God, if you've been born again by the spirit of God, there are so many things the word of God tells us that are to you and to me, they're sweet. I know that my sins are washed away. I know that there's no condemnation to those of us that are in Christ Jesus on a bad day. I know that all things are working together for the good of those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. I know when death knocks at my door, that death is not the end for me. That death is how I enter into eternity with the Lord where there's no sorrow, no suffering, no pain. Where in his presence is fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so for the believer, death is almost the best thing that will ever happen to us, although I'm hoping for rapture in my life. And so for the believer, there's so many things that are just sweet to us in the word. However, we live in a fallen world. I know more people that are not saved than that are saved. 
And the same word that is sweet to me when I read it, when I read a book like Revelation, I realize that people that don't know Christ are they're going to suffer immensely because they don't know the Lord, because they've rejected Jesus as being Lord. That's bitter. When I know that there are loved ones that I know of and they don't know the Lord yet, and I know there's a hell, I know that if people die without Christ, there's a place of eternal judgment, that is a bitter thing. It's sweet to me that I know I'm not going. It's bitter over here when I think of, man, there are people that I care for and love that right now, if they died, that would be the reality. It's bittersweet. And so what should that move us to do, right? It moved Ezekiel to allow a work of the Holy Spirit in his life so much so that he would speak at a difficult time to a difficult people in the name of the Lord. And he was effective at what God had called him to do. Here in John, he said, look, God has given him this unique instruction and said, look, you must prophesy again. You're going to speak again my words about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. And so I believe that he was also to be empowered. As you took in the word, it's got to empower you. And I want to just say this for those of you that are listening. You say, I'm a believer. I think that as believers, we should celebrate what we have in Christ. But as we read the whole book and we're aware of what other people are lacking, I pray that it would stir us up to reach out in love, that it would stir us up to share Christ, that it would move you to share what you know with those that don't know it. Because, again, it is bittersweet. It's not just sweet for us. Even though it's good for me, as I read the whole thing, I realize, man, this isn't good for everybody. Everybody doesn't just go to heaven by default. You know, I know people try to say nice things like, aren't we all God's kids? And it would be nice if that were true. You know, oh, we're just all God's kids. We're all just going to go to heaven. No, no worries. But that's not the case. We're not all God's kids by default. You got to be born again into the kingdom of God. Satan got some babies out there. Everybody is not by default a child of God. You are the creation of God. You've been created in his image. You're special. You're unique among creation. God's got a special plan of redemption for you, but you got to take hold of it by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. And so as we wrap up this chapter, I want to just give us several things that chapter 10 reveals to us about Jesus. If you guys remember the book of Revelation, the word revelation means unveiling. And every chapter of this book is unveiling to you and to me some things about Jesus. So number one, Chapter 10 of Revelation unveils to me about Jesus, that he gives his power and authority to those that carry out his work. To this angel, he gave power and authority because this angel was carrying out his work, his purpose on the earth. We see all through the Gospels that Jesus at times would give his power and his authority to those that were carrying out his work. We see in the book of Acts, the power of the Holy Spirit came upon the church to empower them to do his work. And so I would encourage you that you would commit your heart to do his work because he gives his power and authority to those that are doing his work. Next, there are things that God and his sovereignty and wisdom have chosen not to reveal, like a good parent. And so we want to understand that about him and, and just receive that. There are some things that God and his sovereignty and his wisdom have decided you don't need to know that. And any good parents that are listening as your kids are at different ages, there are things that as a good parent, you would say, eh, you don't need to know that right now, Timmy, you know, or whatever your kids' names are. You know, there are things that you just, you just don't reveal. God and his wisdom and his love and his sovereignty and his wisdom have decided there are some things that people just don't need to know. Number three, God is the creator of all things 
and he has everything under control, even when it looks like it's falling apart. Even in a time right now that's unique, we're all living through this together. None of us have ever been in the situation we're in right now ever before. And it looks like it's crazy. There's hospital things. The news is going nuts. Churches can't gather. All these different things are going on. And I just want to remind you that no matter what you see with your eyeballs, that Jesus is very much in control. Things are working out just the way he knew that they would. And everything that he said would happen will happen. And you can bank on it and you can trust in it, and you can relax in him in times like this. Number four, we reminded in verse seven that Jesus said, uh, the mystery of God is going to be finished as he declared to his servants, the prophets. We're just reminded that God keeps his word. What he has spoken long ago through the prophets is coming to pass here in this time, and God just throws that verse in there and says, hey, I'm doing exactly what I said I was going to do. And so it's important, since I know God keeps his word, I want to be familiar with his word. I want to study his word. I want to know his word because the things that God says he's going to do. Interesting because there's so many things that we want to know. What's going to happen when we die? The Bible tells you. How do I prepare for that? The Bible tells you. So many of the things that people are trying to sort out, and there's, there's a million different wrong answers. God has said, I've made it all clear in the Bible. I've told you how to live, how to do life, how to do marriage, how to have a family, how to be a man, how to be a woman. God's everything you need to know is in this book. What happens in the end is in this book. How to prepare for eternity is in this book. What's going to happen when you die is in this book. And So God says, look, I keep my word. And I would just say this, anybody listening, maybe you're not a Christian yet. You're just checking this thing out right now. Everybody's got an opinion about what happens when you die. Check this out. Nobody that's speaking about what happens when you die, which is a future event, has a track record of having accurately foretold the future, but God in the Bible. The Bible has foretold the future more than a thousand times accurately. And so if I'm going to let somebody tell me something about my future, you need to have a track record of knowing what's going to happen in the future and being accurate about what you say. The Bible is the only religious writing that has accurately foretold the future, so you should bank on what it says about your future. Lastly, In verses 8 and 10, we see that the word was bittersweet for John. It was sweet in his mouth and bitter in his stomach as he took it and he ate it. And as we take in the word, it's bittersweet with purpose. It's sweet to us. It brings comfort and hope and truth to the believer. But sometimes there's a bitter revelation of what's coming down for those that don't yet know him. This, like it moved Ezekiel, like it's moving John here, this should also move you and I to passionately share Christ with the world around us. And again, as we're living in times as we are right now, people need Jesus. They need his forgiveness. They need his peace. They need a revelation of what's going to happen in their own lives. So those of us that have been blessed with the knowledge of this truth, I'm going to pray for us now that God would baptize us in his spirit, send us in his boldness to share him at all times, but especially at times like this. Amen? Let's pray. Let's close. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for what you revealed to us through the Apostle John and this awesome book. And God, we do see that there are many things that are bittersweet. Thank you for the sweet, Lord. Thank you for the revelation uh, that you love us, that you died in our place, that you rose from the grave, that all who put their trust in you, uh, sins are forgiven. Lord, we're restored, reconciled. to to you through the blood of Jesus. God, we're so thankful 
for what your word teaches us that you did for us, what it means to us. You've just heard a transforming word brought to you by Pastor Bill Buffington. What's swirling in your mind just now after what you've heard in today's message? Sometimes it takes a bit of time to fully process what was shared. Revelation is definitely one of those books that you have to almost sit and chew on, trying to discern what in the world it all means. But the good news is, God's given us His Word to help us know and understand what's ahead. What a gift. He didn't leave it all a mystery. He's revealing things on each page of this book, whether or not you're fully in the know of all that it means in this moment. Keep studying it on your own and digging into Scripture with an appetite that's ready to take in what God has for you. If you like the message you just heard, we're so glad. You'll find more solid teachings like this one from Pastor Bill Buffington at calvaryinglewood.org. Will you prayerfully consider spreading the good news with us? If so, locate the Give tab on our site. Don't forget, that's calvaryinglewood.org. This ministry is an outpouring of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. We're located in Inglewood, California. So if you have some extra time and are nearby, we'd love for you to attend one of our services. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If there's a scheduling conflict, come Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We hope that this message has ministered to your heart and you have a little more peace next time listening to it. We look forward to our next time as Pastor Bill teaches in Revelation right here on A Transforming Word.